Presents Football Time. Hey, hey, and welcome to the Football Time Podcast with our man, Achilles Rain. We're here to break down the conference championship game in both the AFC and the NFC. It was one hell of a playoff weekend. Uh, a lot of interesting talking points here. And uh, we got two teams left in the football season to see who will be the champion. I'm not sure uh, one of these teams we thought would really be here. Uh, it's possible I'm still a little confused how they are still here. Um, I'm totally not sure they were the best team in any of the three games they played. But uh, nonetheless, they're in the Super Bowl, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Kansas City Chiefs who rolled into the Super Bowl. And uh, that offense looked great. We'll start out in the NFC with the Kansas NFC with the Green Bay Packers and the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers game. A very interesting game. Uh, I'm not sure this went how people thought it would go, but it uh, was a very entertaining game nonetheless. And uh, what did you make of this game? You know, to be completely honest with you, I think that this particular uh, championship Sunday was Probably not what a lot of people expected. Uh, and this goes for both games. Uh, but I think this one probably really raised some eyebrows. A lot of people were really confident with Green Bay coming into the uh, into the championship game. They were playing really well. Their defense had been uh, playing uh, really solid defense as of late. And their offense had been obviously the best offense in the league. And they really showed it going up against the Rams the previous week. Uh, and that number one defense, they pretty much did what they wanted against that team. So I think a lot of people were kind of expecting this. If anything, I mean, it kind of was a shootout. If you look at the score, uh, it was a really close score, but I still don't think that a lot of people other than Tampa Bay fans really expected this type of outcome. Yeah. Uh, let's go over the uh, box score really quick. Um, the, Tampa Bay Buccaneers won 31-26. Tom Brady was 20-36 for 283 touchdowns, three interceptions. Leonard Fournette had uh, 12 carries for 55 yards and a touchdown. Ronald Jones, 10 for 16. Godwin had five catches for 110. Evans, three for 51 and a touchdown. Uh, Scotty Miller, two for 36 and a touchdown. And probably the biggest touchdown and the probably the reason the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers one uh, was that touchdown at the end of the half. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, 33 for 48, 346, three touchdowns, interceptions. Aaron Jones, six for 27. Uh, Jamal Williams, seven for 23. Feldes Scantley, four for 115 and a touchdown. Devontae Adams, nine for 67 and a touchdown. Alan Lazard, three for 62. So let's get into this. Uh, Green Bay did not get off to their really hot start that they usually do. They got behind... Uh, do you think that threw them off any in the first quarter, or do you just sort of push everything to that uh, really right before halftime? They get that fourth down, and then uh, King just uh, lets Miller get behind him. And uh, I, I don't know if I've ever seen a worse defensive back play in a professional football game. Uh, I mean, literally, you let him catch the ball anywhere you can. They had no timeouts left. He catches the ball, you tackle him 
half over. Uh, the only thing you can't do is let him get behind you and catch a, a touchdown pass. Now, I think some of that was scheme-wise. I, I don't know why you'd leave anybody on an island. But um, anyway, what did you make of uh, Green Bay not getting off to their traditional hot start? Uh, do you think it threw them off, or do you just look at that uh, play right before half that really uh, swung this game? I think that it really affected them. You know, we talked about it a little bit the previous week. Green Bay somehow ended up with the number one rushing offense for the previous week, which is not something that we're accustomed to seeing. We're used to seeing, you know, big passing numbers, uh, not so much when it comes to the running numbers, but they were the best rushing team the previous week. And we thought that if they could somehow get ahead, maybe they could try to utilize that, uh, you know, ground and pound type of uh, game plan. Now it didn't turn out that way for them. And even though we expect Green Bay to, you know, really show their, show their teeth on offense by passing the ball. They, they had a lot of trouble the offensive line was uh, having a lot of issues with that Tampa Bay front seven. It seemed like they were getting a lot of pressure on Aaron Rodgers, and uh, it really threw off his timing with his wide receivers. So I think getting, you know, getting down early on was probably, you know, not what they were hoping for and not what they anticipated. And it really, really changed that game plan going forward. Yeah. Uh, so what did you make of that? Uh, I, I guess that sequence right before the uh, end of the half, um, you know, Tampa Bay was going to punt with, a, I, I think it was about 20 seconds left on fourth down. They decided to go for it. No real big deal. Um, I, I will say the uh, interception by the Tampa Bay Bucks guy was a really, really nice interception. Now um, I, I'm sure there are plenty of, Green Bay fans uh, showing screenshots of him holding the guy's shoulder pads. Uh, that'll come up probably later in our uh, uh, breakdown of this game. But uh, really nice interception. Got the ball, uh, you know, three sort of uh, worthless plays. Uh, they get that fourth down conversion. I, I still don't think it's uh, really that big a deal. They aren't necessarily in field goal range. They have no timeouts left. Um so what did you make of that sequence right before the half? Uh, were you stunned that uh, Green Bay played such a, you know, man-up coverage? Uh, are you, were you shocked that the uh, cornerback, who is a professional player, let somebody get behind him on that? Um, just what did you make of that sequence? Because I really think that flipped the whole game. I mean, going in 14-10, you don't like it, but I, I think Green Bay had sort of gotten uh, – I'd say control. I wouldn't say full control back in the game, but I think going in 14, 10, uh, you know, 17, 10, if they kick a field goal there, uh, I, I think you still have confidence that green Bay is going to win it. You then go into the half 21, 10, giving up a touchdown that sh should have never uh, been given up. Uh, just what did you make of that sequence? Yeah, I think that was probably a, uh, you know, a backbreaker for them and that probably kind of, signified the way that second half was going to go. Like you said, if you're just down, um, what was the score right before that? Touch it was 14-10 if, you know, they do kick. I mean, I, I don't want to give them the field goal because at the where they were, it was like a 54-yard field goal. So I, I don't think that's automatic in a 20-degree game in Green Bay. But, uh, I mean, it's going to be 14-10, 17-10 going into the half. Now, if you look at the statistics, the defense for Green Bay didn't play bad. It wasn't a horrible game by them. If anything, they played a really good game. Uh, this game basically was all about, you know, making 
place when the, when they when the moment arrived, and uh, it just seemed like Tampa Bay was able to make those those plays because perform performance wise, Brady threw three interceptions and they didn't run the ball all that well. I mean, they ran the ball okay, but not all that well. So this game really came down to moments like that, and and Green Bay just couldn't really you know put a lid on 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 that offense. Like you said, at that point. I'm okay giving up three points. You know, you're still within one score with Green Bay's offense. You have some sort of confidence that you can actually get back in the game, uh, especially because I believe they were receiving in the second half. Yes, they so, were. You know, you're going down even seven points, I think, based off how, how you were playing uh, on offense, I think it's kind of a win. Now, the fact that they gave up that touchdown, I think that was, a, a, like I said, a big backbreaker. It was huge, and it really swung momentum. And even when that second half started again, it almost seemed like they were still suffering the after effects of that play and they just couldn't recover from it. I just don't understand what type of play call that was where, I mean, I just don't understand how you let the guy get past you like that. And well, I'm curious, do you blame now? Uh, we don't know the defensive call, but I mean, he was clearly man to man out there with not much help. Do you blame the defensive call there or the defensive back for uh, clearly he must not have known the situation or something. I, literally, you just can't let him get behind you. All you, I mean, he catches that ball at the one you make the tackle. The half is over it, it. You know, it's just fake yards for Brady to file on stats. So do you, or do you sort of split the blame? Why is he left on an Island on a play where, you know, you can just sit back in a, really deep zone with a bunch of, you know, uh, corners and safeties, or do you blame the defensive back for letting somebody get behind him in that situation when the only thing you can't do is let somebody get behind you? Yeah. I think a lot of times uh, things like that are a little more, you know, cutthroat as, as they're pretty much, you know, you get what you, 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 you get what you get. And uh, sometimes it's the coach's fault. Sometimes it's a player's fault. I think this was one of those situations where, you could probably split the blame, you know, as a defensive back in professional football who gets paid a lot of money to stop guys from catching balls or at least stop guys from scoring. You know what your objective is to half. It's about to end. Like you said, if they catch the ball and, you know, even if they get a little bit of yak, some yards after the catch, you know, it runs the clock. It helps you. It benefits you. All you have to do, like you said, is not get beat deep. Uh, the fact that he allowed him now, I don't, I don't know if he thought he maybe he had some, some like very deep safety help. Well, or... That was the only thing I could think is maybe he thought he had some deep safety help, but once again, why are you trying to jump a route for, you know, five, 10 yards? It's like uh buddy, just <laughs> don't let him get behind you. Oh yeah. At that point, it's not even about making plays. It's not about playmaking defense. It's about playing solid defense. That's all it's about you play solid defense, you at the very least, you know, walk away with giving up only three points. Now it was a big mistake. Again, I don't know if he thought he had safety help. I don't know what the call was. I haven't really looked at the tape. So that's one of the reasons why I think that the defensive coordinator also has to get a little bit of the blame there. Uh, I, I'm not a fan of the prevent defense. I hate the prevent defense. I think that it hurts teams more than it helps them in the long, you know, for, for most, for the most part. But I think this was one of those situations where you got to play prevent defense. Like you said, if you catch the ball and they start getting some yards, 
their best option is to try and run, you know, run out of bounds. At that point, all you got to do is protect the sidelines. You know, let, if they're going to catch something, let them catch it down the middle. Let them waste a little bit of clock. You go into halftime with the clock running. I mean, it it seems pretty pretty basic, uh, you know, football fundamentals. I don't understand what the uh, the play call was. So I think that both the defensive player and the coach uh, deserve a little bit of blame for this. This is a championship game. This is not the type of game where you have to make these types of mistakes. That was a pretty basic type of play as far as what your job was, and uh, they really blew it. And I think that's really one of the big reasons why they lost that game. Well, yeah, uh, I just uh, – I wanted to get to the play to, you know, sort of start the second half too. It, it was sort of a combo package. You had that – terrible play and then uh you know like you said green bay got the ball uh i think it was the second or third play era jones got that little swing pass and uh once again didn't protect the ball you know uh it, the same play happened uh earlier in that first half where the safety came up and hammered him and he fumbled it it just happened to be robert tunyon that was right there and was able to pick it up so they don't get the turnover but once again uh aaron jones you know left the ball a little bit unprotected, left himself unprotected. He ended up getting hurt on the play and uh, the safety hammered it, uh, fumbled the ball and Tampa Bay essentially gets a, another free score. They picked up the ball on like, you know, the five uh, off that. And uh, that combination of essentially, you pretty much just gave a professional football team. I don't care who it is. You give the Jets 14 free points to uh, close the half and start a half Uh you're going to be behind the eight ball no matter what you are. Um, do, do you blame Aaron Jones on that play, or do you just say, you know what, the safety made a real good play there? Well, I mean, it's easy to just put the blame on Aaron Jones, but it's, it's, you also got to give you know props to wh where they're deserved, and I think that the safety definitely deserves a little bit of praise there. Uh, it was the second time that he came you know, into the box and, and really impacted the play. Like you said, this one obviously was huge because of the fumble and the turnover. And I don't know how badly, and I'm not trying to downplay an injury here, but I don't know how badly, you know, he was actually hurt. I don't know how much of it was pride or knowing in your gut that you really just probably caused your team a really good chance at uh, staying competitive in this game. Because even though the score is what it is, um, this game really felt like it was over pretty early on. And I know that if you just sit here and just look at the box score, it looks like it was a, a really a back and forth game. But in reality, um, with all the mistakes Tampa Bay made with, you know, all the shortcomings that they had, the fact that this game was pretty much over, you know, early on in that second half, I think was uh, was pretty telling at how bad uh, Green Bay was playing. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to ask you about, uh, we'll get into the, uh, uh, fourth down uh, field goal kicking situation a little later, but uh, I don't think Brady played all that well. He, he threw those three picks in the second half on three straight possessions. Now, how much do you, I guess I have to bring it up a little bit. How much do you blame Green Bay's coaching staff for that uh, decision? We'll, we'll talk more in depth about it uh, after this, but, uh, or do you blame them more Brady threw three picks, and I, I think they only got seven points out of that. Uh, Green Bay also went in down into the 10, and I believe they got uh, field two goal. field goals mm -hmm. out of that that they didn't get touchdowns on. Do you look at that more as the reason Green Bay lost the game, or do you just look at uh, the coaching decision at the end uh, and maybe, you know, football, sometimes funny bounces just have their way of 
causing weird games like this. I, I, I don't know if I've ever seen a team like Tampa Bay who essentially has gotten pretty good bounces two games in a row and essentially made the Super Bowl by it. But uh, what, I, I'm curious on your feeling on how did Green Bay lose this game by not uh, converting those turnovers into points, not converting uh, – you know, goal line situations into touchdowns instead of field goals? Or are you uh, looking at the uh, coaching decision at the end? Uh, we'll get on that next, but uh, as really the reason this uh, went, uh, I guess, south for them. Listen, it's really easy for us to sit back and say Green Bay lost this game. And that's the consensus around the nation, I think, right now is Green Bay. Everyone, everyone thought that they could come out and just – overpower that Tampa Bay defense with that offense uh, like they did with the Rams and, you know, just not coast to a win, but get a win. And everything is so magnified, especially in the playoffs. Uh, I think that it's really a disservice to that uh, Tampa Bay defense and that offense as well, even though they didn't play as well. I think it's a disservice to that team to not give credit to them. Yes. Green Bay made a lot of mistakes. Um, and like I said, in the playoffs, these things are really magnified. So it's really easy for us to sit back, especially with two games, and kind of nitpick at every little decision that was made. <clears throat> but I think that, you know, this is two really good teams that are really well built, just kind of going at it. And one of them was going to come out on top. Probably not the team that I thought was going to come out on top, but they came out and they played really well. Def- they pretty good, de- really good defense, and that offense did enough. Uh, to to pull off the win, just like in the regular season, you know those goal line stances are really important. Um, we see that those teams that are really efficient when it comes to scoring uh, touchdowns in the red zone as opposed to field goals, they're the teams that usually tend to kind of get really far, especially when it comes to the postseason. Now Green Bay with their really potent offense, I don't think we really expect them to be held to field goals. Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers had a huge season with a bunch of touchdowns. And a lot of those touchdowns came in the uh, red zone, you know, where technically speaking, it's a lot harder to score because there's a smaller field to protect. But we don't expect the Packers to to play that type of offense, even in the red zone. We expect them to score touchdowns, not field goals. So that's definitely something to blame. But uh, it's hard for me to really put the blame on Green Bay as opposed to praising that Tampa Bay defense who made some plays. Yeah. All right. Good interesting analysis all right we'll get to the decision here um eight point game uh i i think we could look a little bit too at the receiver who dropped the two-point conversion pass also as a bit of this but uh you and me are a little bit different on how we uh play things uh wise i I think you're a little more conservative and old school style football i'm a little more uh i i'd say go for it I, i don't think we're both you know, completely, you know, wildly one way or the other, but uh, you probably swing a little more conservative old school style. I, I swing a little more uh, aggressive and uh, let's uh, go for seven points here. But uh, I can't honestly believe that you thought uh, kicking that field goal there down eight and with essentially you have to get a stop a- as a great decision. Listen, First of all, for the record, I do believe in analytics a little bit. Yes, I, I, I don't think you're. You probably don't believe in analytics quite as much as I go by them, but I don't want to 
punch you as a 1960s football coach. It was, you know, we should run the ball every time and uh, play a four possession game here either. I, I think you're a little more modernistic, but I, I do think you lean a little bit more old school style and I'm probably a little bit more new school style. Uh, we're probably just both a little offset from the middle uh, on our ways. Oh yeah, definitely. Like I said, I do believe in analytics. Okay. It's just, to me, I feel like, especially in football, I think that analytics do play a part in it, but every single player can impact the game in so many different ways, whether they have the ball in their hands or not, that sometimes those analytics don't really play into it, uh, at least in my opinion. Now, when it comes to that uh, field goal kick, um, I understand the thought process behind going for it. You know, you are going to need a touchdown regardless. I get all that. But you also kind of got to get a feel for momentum. At, at that point, you know, Green Bay was starting to kind of claw their way back in and to get stopped short and not get anything out of it if you wouldn't, you know, convert on that fourth down. Then I think it, it's really a morale killer at that point. I think it's almost kind of like players like, all right, well, you know, we gave it a shot and we just couldn't get anything out of it. I think that going for the three was more of a, all right, let's keep our heads in the game. Our defense has been making a lot of plays. And at that point, I think it was also kind of foolish. Um, that's the part that I had more of an issue with than, than the you know field goal. I'm okay with kicking the field goal uh, and keeping momentum going. My biggest, my, my biggest pet peeve with that was the fact that that defense, which is not known as a great defense, going up against a stacked Buccaneers offense, had already made so many plays to keep the Green Bay Packers within that game. And they were basically putting it on that defense to get us another stop, get us another shot. That defense did so much. They're not, like I said, they're not known as an elite defense. And that Tampa Bay team is stacked, especially on offense. They have so many different weapons, even with Antonio Brown out. You know, they they just look like didn't really matter which direction Brady wanted to look. It looks like he had a guy who was going to be open. Uh, Mike Evans, who we talked about as being a warm weather guy, uh, made some big plays, even though he didn't make a lot of plays, he made some big plays when he had to. So I think the fact that the, uh, the coaching staff was really banking on that defense to, you know, either get another stop or get another turnover. I think that was the the biggest uh, uh, blow to that team's uh, chances of winning. Um, not so much the uh, kicking the points. I like getting the points, especially in a playoff game. You got to keep momentum going when you're coming back. Yeah. I, the problem with it I, I, I saw was, you were going to need a touchdown no matter what. Now, I I get, you know, you bring it to five, you get the touchdown, you win the game. But no matter what you did there, you were going to have one chance to get one stop. Now, I, I think if there had been four or five minutes on the clock and you have the ability to maybe give them a first down, you, you have a little buffer there leeway-wise, I, I think – I, I can understand taking that and trying to get the win where I, I lose it is uh, essentially you were playing to get one stop in the game and uh, the, the defense had played well, but it had not played well on third down. Tampa Bay kept converting third downs. That's really probably a main reason they won the game was they were able to get third downs. So to bank everything on your defense, getting one stop, uh, and then driving down and getting a touchdown anyway with essentially you would have no timeouts left. It just seems like a long shot when at least you give yourself two chances to get said touchdown. Now you might not get the two point conversion. I get all that, but, uh, 
at least if you go for it on fourth down, you know, you don't get the points. You would, you still have to get the one stop and drive down and get the touchdown. And I, I just, especially with, you're putting the ball in Aaron Rodgers' hands, you're putting the ball in Devontae Adams' hands to make a play. It, it just seems like the smarter move to trust that side of the ball than to trust the defensive side of the ball. And uh, I, I mean, basically the thing was over after the, first play of that series when the Tampa Bay dropped back and threw a nine yard pass. Now, uh, the funny thing was uh, we'd probably be having a different coaching decision if uh, Green Bay had gotten the stop because for some reason, Bruce Arians accepted that five yard penalty that they took on purpose. I don't understand that. You could decline it. You have the option to decline. Now I, I, that gets lost in all this. I, I, I was very confused by that. And I was like, oh my God, Green Bay's going to win this game. And I don't think anybody knows that Bruce Arians just essentially gave Green Bay the ball back. Uh, it gets lost in history. And uh, only this show will probably remind you that uh, for some reason, Bruce Arians accepted a penalty when he essentially could have run the clock out. But um, that was my only thing to trust that defense to get that one stop and then essentially you're giving your offense the ball back 40 yards from where you are, possibly 60 yards from where you are, depending on the punt and to drive down the length of the field again with this time with no timeouts left. It, it just seemed like you you're on the eight, you take that chance and uh, you see what you get. And if you don't get, say you get the touchdown, you don't get that two point conversion. You still need that one stop. And uh, this time you're at least driving down for a field goal to win the game. I, I just, it seemed to put yourself in a bad position, both defensively and on the offensive side of the ball, because you're pushing yourself back to get to where you want to be the eight yard line there. Now, I agree with you when it comes to, it, it was a big mistake to, as a, to trust in that defense, as opposed to trusting that offense. If I've got the Green Bay Packers as my team and, you know, I've got to put the ball in somebody's hands. I'm not going to put it on, you know, the opposing quarterback's hands and have my defense win me the game. I'm going to put it in Aaron Rodgers' hands and I'm going to have him win the game. You know, he's probably the uh, the MVP of the of the season. You put it in his hands. I agree with you in that part. Uh, but like you said, they they needed eight points at at that particular moment in the game. They had already missed on a two point conversion. I think this play selection really speaks a lot as to what the coach's confidence level was in the way that offense was playing. I think that the reason they kicked that field goal was, listen, we get some points now. We score a touchdown. We don't need to worry about a two-point conversion at that point because the touchdown will win the game. You know, you need a touchdown regardless. You need a touchdown to get to tie it or you need a touchdown to win it. So I don't think that you're really – I'm okay with the field goal. That's what I'm trying to say is I'm okay with them kicking the field goal because either way, you're going to need a touchdown to either win the game or tie the game. And I just think that I'd rather bank my money, especially on the way that red zone offense was playing. I'd rather bank my money on my kicker kicking an extra point as opposed to my offense coming out and getting two point conversion, uh, you know, following a touchdown. Yeah. Interesting. All right. Uh, a couple more talking points here on this game. Uh, the defense you know, uh, forced the third down because Arians accepted that penalty and they would have gotten the ball back, uh, except they uh, made that pass interference call. I, I don't know 
how much you can argue it, letter of the law. It was pass interference. Um, he did grab his shirt. Uh, I, I think there should be a little bit of knowledge that Brady essentially lobbed a ball in the middle of the field to no one, not even near that receiver. Uh, but I think the bigger thing is uh, essentially they had let him play the whole game and Tampa Bay had been grabbing Green Bay's receivers the whole game and holding them. Uh, they never flagged that call until that one. Now, you know, it, it was a pretty obvious grab. You saw the guy's shirt being pulled. Uh, it probably depends on if you're a Tampa Bay fan or a Green Bay fan. Uh, uh, we aren't really either. What did you think of the call there? Should it have been made? Should have they have just swallowed their whistles, sort of like they had been the whole game before? Okay, so I, I'm I'm more of the mindset of consistency. If you're not going to call that in the first half, if it's not a penalty in the first half, it's not a penalty in the second half. That's the way I look at it. I'm okay with letting guys play. It's the playoffs. It's a physical game. That's what the NFL is. You know, it doesn't matter what sport it is, basketball, hockey. Doesn't I don't care. If you're going to let him play, that's fine. But you got to let him play for the entire game. You can't pick and choose unless something's like super egregious, like super obvious. I don't want to deal with, you know, the referees impacting the game in the way they did. Uh, I, they it was a huge, huge blow to to that defense. They were they they could have had another shot at it. And the well, fact yeah, that, they, that I think that was probably what uh, that that is it. Green Bay essentially got the stop there. Um, and they, I don't know if they didn't really see, but Brady was essentially throwing the ball away there. So it wasn't even actually to hit. Well, I guess in theory it was to him, but in the area. Yeah. Uh, he wasn't making that catch, whether you were holding him or not. Um, it, that, that would be my only problem was they were letting him hold and grab all game. And then all of a sudden, because the guy had a white stretchy t-shirt under his jersey instead, and, and we could see it a little easier, they all of a sudden start launching flags back and forth. So I, I just, I understand the call, uh, you know, letter of law. Uh, it was a hold, pass interference, so you got to make it. But the fact that you hadn't been flagging it all game and Tampa Bay's corners essentially whole game plan was to hold and grab the receivers, it, it just seemed a little... Ticky tacky. Yeah, I agree with you. Like I said, I'm uh, more on the side of consistency. If you're going to let that one go early on, let it go later in the game. If you're going to call that early on, call it the entire game. Um, I think the moral of the story here is wear your stretchy white t-shirts. Yes, I, I think so. That's a good call. Wear your stretchy white t-shirt under your jersey. Uh, I think I've um, got mine on right now. So, <laughs> all right. So, last thing about this game, I. Tom Brady's in another Super Bowl. We're going to have to hear it for two weeks. Uh, we were already hearing it on Sunday for two more weeks. I Maybe I'm just a hater, but uh, these sort of things just drive me nuts. You know, he's the GOAT. He's the greatest of all time. I can sort of understand it for basketball when it's five players on a court and one player affects a game so much. But these conversations for football drive me nuts because I think maybe other than possibly soccer, there is not a sport that is more team-oriented and everybody collectively sort of needs to be good and in on it 
So to say Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback because he's made Super Bowls, you know, a bunch, just seems weird to me when he's been on great teams a bunch. And, you know, I, I just, it drives me nuts with all this because, you know, why wouldn't somebody say Troy Aikman is the greatest quarterback of all time? He won three Super Bowls. He made three in four years, but nobody says anything because that Cowboys team was great. The defense was great. The offense was great. The line was great. I, I just, I don't like the individual. This was the greatest football player of all time because football's such a, a team oriented sport, you know? Uh, I mean, take somebody like Jared Goff. If they make that play to Brandon Cooks in that Super Bowl three years ago, he's a Super Bowl winning quarterback. I don't think today you would be saying he's a great quarterback because I'm sure the results of his career would play out just about the same. Football's such a team game. It just drives me nuts when we have to anoint and rank all these guys. It just, it seems very different than basketball uh, where, you know, somebody like LeBron James, you put him on the court, there are four other people on the court. He actually affects the game. That one person affects the game. I, I just don't see football as one person affecting a game as much, especially when you start going down list of quarterbacks who have won Super Bowls. For God's sakes, we had a Baltimore Ravens Super Bowl with Trent Dilfer and Kerry Collins playing in it for, you know, granted, very solid quarterbacks, but I don't think anybody's putting them on the list of greatest quarterbacks ever. Yeah, you know, I, I have a little bit of an issue with that also. Uh, and and it's for the same reasons. I think, like I said earlier on in this segment, I think that the NFL is probably one of those more team-oriented type uh, of games where you need everybody to do their job in order for things to go, you know, uh, correctly. And you need everybody to work cohesively in order for it to be successful. Now, is Brady the greatest quarterback ever? I, I You know, Possibly, if you look at, you know, accolades alone. Well, I, I think you're okay saying he's one of the greatest winners ever. Yeah. You know, but like if I gave you film and I didn't give you anybody's, you know, stats or wins or Super Bowl rings, and you were watching film of, say, Patrick Mahomes play quarterback, and you were watching film of Tom Brady play quarterback, you'd probably be like, that dude, Patrick Mahomes, is a better quarterback just on physical stuff. Now, I know that doesn't you know, matter either. I, I don't mind people saying he's one of the greatest winners ever, but you know, Bill Russell won 11 rings. I don't think anybody is knocking down the door saying Bill Russell, while he was great, is the greatest basketball player ever. It just seems weird that Super Bowl, we put so much on Super Bowl wins, but it's such a team game. I mean, it, it just seems weird to rank people. I, I've never understood really ranking people in football because your circumstance is so important. I mean, if Brady gets drafted by the Cincinnati Bengals, we probably never even hear of him for God's sakes. Yeah. You know, there's so many different things when it comes to an NFL player's career that really impact his legacy. Now, to me, Tom Brady is probably the most accomplished quarterback ever. That's a great ever. way to put it. That, that's the way I look at him. He's the most accomplished quarterback. Is he good? Yes. Can he play great? Yeah, he can play great. You know, but so can Jared Goff. So can, uh, uh, I don't know, Aaron name any, any player. Yeah, name any any 
quarterback and they can all play great at some point or another. Now that's not, I'm not trying to take anything away from him. He's very accomplished. He's done a lot of great things. He's I'm sure, you know, exploding many brains that are sitting at home wondering how is this guy doing this at his age? I, I get all that. And I'm not trying to take anything away from him. He's earned everything that he, that he's gotten, but to say that he's the best player ever, there's so many different other players that I've seen that can actually impact the games on their own. Um, you know, so for me to sit back and say that Tom Brady is the greatest ever, I have a hard time saying that. I, I, like I said, I'll give him his respect. I'll admit that he's, you know, made a lot of big plays, but I also, you know, you think about the Super Bowl against the Seahawks, you know, where, where they should have run the ball with Marshawn Lynch and instead they decide to put it in Russell Wilson's hands. He won that that one because of the defense, but yet he gets the, the credit for it. You know, who was the Collins that got that pick? Yes. Uh, yeah, uh, I don't remember. Um, yeah, it's, I'm drawing a blank here, but but um, or was it McCourty? It might I, have been McCourty. I, I can't I can't even remember who it was. The point that I'm trying to make is that that and that's exactly my point. That guy is the reason they won that Super Bowl. But we're not talking about that guy as the greatest cornerback ever. We're not talking about him as the, as the best defensive player ever, even though he's the reason that they won that Super Bowl. We're talking about Tom Brady. Why? Because he's been the consistent figure when it comes to those championships. So I, he's very, very well, you know, represented when it comes to uh, his accolades. He's, he's definitely the, the greatest winner. Like you said, I can't bring myself to say that he's the greatest player ever uh, because like you said, so many different things have to go well for him to, to have an impact on the game as opposed to other players that can impact the game on their own. Now, not to be a homer because listen, I hate, I'm not going to say I hate Tom Brady, but if anyone has a reason to hate Tom Brady, it's definitely me. The guy cost my uh, team, you know, a possible uh, dynasty run uh, back when we had Kurt Warner. But I think of guys like Steven Jackson with the Rams, who that offensive line was pretty, pretty bad. Uh, They had no weapons at wide receiver to to speak of. Uh, They had quarterbacks who they're pretty much just plugging in and hoping that they'd play well. Yet he was still, you know, every team that was playing the Rams knew, all right, let's key in on Steven Jackson. Let's key in on Steven Jackson. And the man was still putting up big numbers. To me, that's more of a sign of a great player that that people can really sit here and focus entirely on you and you can still impact the game. You know, now we don't really talk about it. Why? Because that team didn't win many games. Statistically, yes, they look great but they didn't win many games. So I'm not going to sit here and tell you that Tom Brady is the greatest player ever. Uh, I will say he's the most accomplished player ever. I think that's a great point too. It, it's like circumstance. If, if you take Steven Jackson and push him back, you know, six years earlier on those Rams teams, you're probably talking about the greatest running back tandem ever with him and Marshall Falk. And you got Torrey Holt, you know, you fast forward six years later and that Rams team is decimated, you know, Warner's gone, uh, Bulger's beat up. You got Sam Bradford in there. You no longer have that offensive line that you had, you know, Torrey Holt is aging. Isaac Bruce is out. You know, it's just a lot of football is circumstance, team building, coaching. It's just, I find it hard to measure one player's impact on a football game. I I mean, you take somebody like Lawrence Taylor in the uh, mid to late eighties, how do you measure his impact on a football game when he, he was completely wrecking offenses. They won numerous super bowls. 
it, it it's just it's such a team game. I, I I don't get the ranking of players, especially when somebody can just be put in a situation that is so awful that you literally have no chance to win. And I, I think a little bit like baseball, baseball players do not get blamed for being in bad situations. I mean, everybody thinks Mike Trout is the best player right now. Uh, Mike Trout and the Angels never win baseball games because they don't have other great players. They don't have a pitching staff. They, you know, have a couple extra hitters. But uh, for some reason, this football debate, and it always seems to be quarterbacks, we have to rank quarterbacks, but there's so many moving parts to a football team, offensive line, defensive line, secondary play. I, I mean, essentially, the... Green Bay Packers probably win that game if the quarterback doesn't get beat deep on that last, you know, play before the half. And that's what turns that game. So it's just, it's going to be two long weeks of hearing, you know, battle of the goat between him and Patrick Mahomes. And I don't know, maybe I'm just bitter and don't want to hear it. Listen, as much as I hate hearing all that talk, uh, I think that I'll, I'll deal with it because he he's earned a pass this time around. Cause I definitely didn't see him getting this far into the playoffs. Um, I know I've said early on in the season and even about halfway through the season that this uh, Tampa Bay team was really, really stacked and they were built for the playoffs. But I, I honestly will admit that I did not think they would get this far. So, you know, if we have to hear for the next couple of weeks, so be it. But uh, I do want to go on record to say that uh, football to me is, uh, is probably the the most uh, important team sport and uh, individual performances affect the game, but don't affect it as much as uh, people really put it out to be. Yeah. I think if you want to list the great teams that Tom Brady had been on, I'd be more than happy to rank those against great teams. Like I, I said, those giants teams or the, you know, uh, Colts teams or, you know, any of the great teams who have come around those Cowboys teams, those Niners teams, you know, it, if you want to rank teams, I think I'm more willing to go there than just start rattling off individual players. Yeah, but I don't know if you noticed, uh, Tom Brady posted a little video of him and Gronk. Um, they ain't going anywhere. They ain't going nowhere. Well, yes, uh, Gronk was wonderful in that game. I, I believe he made one catch. <laughs> one catch. <laughs> yeah, I, I was. Uh, I knew he would have some sort of impact. He's the greatest tight end ever. So, <laughs> I, I think uh, in our next game, uh, the tight end in that game might uh, be uh, walking around on that block and um, <laughs> starting to uh, uh, take that mantle. So we'll get into our next game. The Buffalo Bills 24, Kansas City Chiefs 38. Josh Allen 28 of 48, 287, two touchdowns, interception, seven carries, 88 yards. That was all the rushing to speak of for Buffalo. Beasley seven for 88 and a, a shout out to him. We found out he was playing on a broken leg for the last three weeks. So uh, really, really gutty to uh, go out there and play on that. Uh, Stephon Diggs, six for 77. Um, Patrick Mahomes was just ridiculously good. 29 at 38, 325, three touchdowns. Um, Daryl Williams, 13 carries, 52 yards, and a touchdown. Tyreek Hill, nine for 172. Travis Kelsey, 13 for 118, and two touchdowns. So uh, we thought maybe Kansas City would go to their style of offense that they went with Buffalo in week six. 
they did not, they uh, just looked ridiculously good. They started out Kelsey, uh, Buffalo tried to adjust. Then uh, they just torched them with Tyreek Hill and they didn't have much answers. Um, when Kansas City is doing things like this, uh, can they be beat? Uh, short answer, no. They, there's no way. We've seen them beat this Bills team uh, with one, you know, one type of game plan, and then we see them utilize a completely different game plan to beat the same team. Um, this team is really good, and I think that the biggest concern for me coming into this game was Patrick Mahomes' uh, ankle or his foot, his toe, whatever it was. I think it was, it was okay. <clears throat> yeah, I think so too. Um, and I wish I would have known how how okay he was uh, prior to kickoff because I probably would have made different picks. Um, to me, he's one of those players that impacts the game uh, more so than uh, aforementioned uh, players that we talked about. But uh, I, to me, he's one of those players. He's a really good quarterback who has a huge impact on the game his, because of his gameplay style. I'm not going to sit here and call him the greatest quarterback ever, uh, but you know he's a really important piece at offense. And I thought that if he well, was... these debates for uh, our offseason <laughs> shows in April, everyone. <laughs> We're going to rank every single best player from one to a thousand. So, uh, but no, I, I, you know... Start working on your list now. Yeah, I, well, yeah, I've got, I'm using a highlighter though, so I don't know how well that's going to work. Just print uh, out some touchdown passing stats and <laughs> sort I, them. I just decided I'm just going to listen to the to uh, those sports talk shows and uh, hear what they have to say about who the greatest player ever is. I think I'm going to be shocked as to who they pick. Well, uh, I'm going with YA Tittle, so, well... <laughs> yeah I, i'm you know what if i had to pick a guy I, I know we're getting off topic here but if i had to pick a guy that was really impactful to me uh and he was uh i always remember all my guys but i he came back into memory as i was watching the game and they had one of those uh fantasy football uh commercials orlando pace man he's still looking good he's still looking big man it looks like he could still uh block a few guys out there on, on the left side of that line uh, well, but, I, I think we get a lot of hits. I have YA Tittle, you have Orlando Pace. <laughs> but listen, I digress from the from the point. Um, yeah, I I definitely expected this game. To, I thought this game would go differently. Not expect. I, I did mention that if Mahomes was healthy, uh, I could definitely see this game going completely the opposite way, and that's exactly what happened. Um, Buffalo just didn't seem to have any answer for uh, that that Kansas City offense didn't matter who you try to go after. They're a really dangerous team. When you look at it, they've got a, you know, one of the better tight ends in the league. And uh, he's a huge target, catch a lot of balls, puts up a lot of yards, puts up really big numbers. If you decide you want to kind of, you know, put some extra help down the middle and watch him, you got the speech or you got the cheat on the outside who can get past just about anybody. And even if he doesn't run past you, you know, he's the type of player that can run a slant or, or a curl route. And all you got to do is miss one tackle and he's gone uh, as evident from his uh, big game. But I think the biggest storyline for this one was more of the, uh, the Buffalo offense and the way they played. Yeah. Uh, I was going to, we'll get into a couple coaching questions I have, uh, you know, otherwise I, I don't know if there's a ton to break down here, but I was just curious here. Um, now the first series when uh Kansas City drove down there. It was a fourth and eight. They decided to kick a, a 51-yard field goal. I, I don't have much, you know, argument with that. Get points on the board. Try to get up. 
and they did. They got up 9-0. But uh, at the end of the half, they drove down there. Uh, I, I believe there was, you know, 10 seconds left. It was on the five-yard line. They decided to kick a field goal instead of uh, going for it. And then I believe they got the ball back at the start of the second half. They drove down once again and decided to kick a field goal. And my only question to you is, this is where I, I, I sort of chuck analytics. I'm like, at what point do you start reading the game? And uh, at, at no point did I think Buffalo was really going to get a stop. And I just thought kicking field goals, you were putting yourself behind the eight ball there because you're assuming you're, I guess you're assuming you're, that stop is coming. But I think if you read the game, if you're that Buffalo coach, you go, we aren't getting a stop today. We have to start getting touchdowns. And, you know, I, I guess they remained connected to them if they you know got us they did get the stop and got a touchdown but I, I just thought they should have started going for broke especially in an AFC championship game where you're on the road I, I just feel you need to read that situation and be like we aren't getting a stop today uh, Kansas City is humming we're trying to stop Kelsey we aren't stopping him we're trying to stop Hill we aren't stopping him you know, Mahomes is, you know, moving well. So he's getting out of the pressure that we're getting on him. I just felt they went a little conservative going for those field goals instead of just trying to turn this thing into a shootout and be like, all right, if we lose 54-38, we lose 54-38. But, you know, I I guess maybe there is a point to, you know, prolonging the game, staying at least attached. But uh, I just felt right there at the end of the half and the start of the half, you, you should have just tried to turn this thing into a shootout. Well, as you know, I had some obligations to take care of that night. So I had to sacrifice part of this game. Um, now I will say when the game first started and Buffalo got up, I thought that this was probably one of those situations where, okay, maybe Patrick Mahomes is a little bit banged up still, and maybe they're going to change their game plan. But if they have to play from behind and with the hobbled Mahomes, I don't see how they can do this. And then that second quarter came around and Kansas City scored 21 points. Um, And it was that moment that I knew Buffalo just can't keep up. And like you said, at some point you have to realize we're going up against one of the best offenses in the league. Uh, Probably one of the better offenses over the last few years in the NFL. We just kind of have to, you know, put our foot down tell ourselves we're not going to get a stop. We got to get points. That's the only way we're going to get in, stay in this game is we got to get points. Uh, I believe Allen threw for two touchdowns. Uh, yes, and- he had two touchdowns uh, and 88 yards rushing. I I, I thought Allen played pretty well. I thought he came out a little I, – I thought all of Buffalo uh, probably – they did get up, but they got up because Hardman fumbled the ball on the one-yard line on a punt return. I, I thought they came out a little – overjuiced and a little too amped up. I, I, you know, uh, by the third quarter, I thought they started to relax a little bit, but by that point, uh, Kansas city was humming so much. Uh, it, it wouldn't have mattered how relaxed you were. Kansas city was scoring when they wanted to score. I'll tell you what I think was the biggest Achilles heel for Buffalo in this game. And it's something that we talked about pretty much all season long. I know that they had a great season. They had a really good season And this is not taking anything away from that. They had a really great statistical season. 
and they won a lot of games. They won, they won their division. They got into the playoffs. They made it to the championship game. But I think their Achilles heel for this game was the same that same concern we've had all season long. And that was a lack of running game. When your quarterback, as good as he's been, as good as he was, is your main source of y- yards on the ground, it takes away uh, you know, this huge dynamic on your offense. When you have a quarterback like him that can get as many yards on the ground as he can and you don't have a running back to compliment him, uh, it really limits what you can do, especially when you know that defense is really well coached and they're probably prepared for what you're going to throw at them. I think that if they would have had a really solid running back, someone, you know, that they could kind of hand the ball to and, you know, kind of grind out some of these yards, um, maybe, you know, some RPO type plays. Um, I think it really would have helped them uh, at least kind of throw that defense off balance a little bit and kind of, you know, maybe get them scoring touchdowns as opposed to field goals, because I think that's what, uh, probably cost them the game was the fact that they settled for so many field goals but this Kansas City team man it's just they're they're really really potent and I don't see this the Super Bowls could be really hard for me to pick and I know we're not picking right now uh we're saving that for a different show but this is going to be one of the tougher ones to pick for me I usually have a team that I'm kind of enamored with or a team that is a feel-good story and for me on one side, I, I have a hard time picking one guy because he's so accomplished. And on the other side, I have a hard time picking them, even though uh, they look like such a potent offense and probably the better, the best quarterback in the league right now. You know, it's, it's just, I, I don't know. It's, it's going to be really tough for me to pick, but for this particular game, I think that uh, they were just overmatched and I don't think that defensively they could have played much better than they did. You're going up against a really potent offense, like I said, in the Chiefs. This game was really just about the fact that they just couldn't keep up offensively. Yeah. A uh, couple of things about the Buffalo running game. I, I, I really, honestly, uh, the Zach Moss injury in that uh, first round playoff game, I, I think ended up hurting him because he was starting to be able to be that sort of banger inside out. I just want to ask you a question about Devin Singletary. Um, his rookie year was really good. It, it, it was not pretty this season. And essentially in this game, uh, by the second half, he was benched and they were using TJ Yeldon, who essentially wasn't even on the roster uh, before the playoffs started. He was sort of their reserve back in case, you know, guys got COVID and had to miss time. What do you make of uh, Devin Singletary's future here? Uh, I mean, if you, I, I think both of us two years ago after his rookie year probably thought he was a solid back who, you know, could handle it. And by this playoff game, I was like, he doesn't even need to be in the game. They do need to use Yeldon instead of him. Yeah. I mean, I know that, you know, he's not your pro typical back. I mean, he's a kind of a smaller back to me. When I look at him, I see more of a scat back type of running back. I think that what Buffalo really needs is a bruiser, a pounder. Um, what is he, 5'7", I think? Uh, yeah. Uh, my problem with – he wasn't even doing – you know, last year he was doing those scat back things. He was catching balls out of the backfield, and, you know, he was making that one cut and hitting a, a good play on in the run game. And then all of a sudden, you know, he wasn't catching passes this season as well. Uh, in, in this playoff game, he was – totally worthless. I believe he dropped two balls. I just, 
you know I, what I they thought say. he had a future, and now I'm like, eh, they might need to upgrade here uh, and find themselves another sort of slot back. You know what they say. There's there's always a bit of a, of a sophomore slump. Um, I think that probably played into it a little bit. But I, I think one of the reasons why he wasn't as successful this season uh, was the fact that Josh Allen really came into his own when it came to kind of scrambling, you know, getting out of the pocket and running the ball himself. Now, if you look at his runs, most of his runs were basically runs to the outside. Um, as a quarterback, you always don't want to go straight down the middle. It's no point risking your health at that point. But uh, Josh Allen was running more to the outside. His rushes tend to be more to the outside. Even when he escapes pressure and kind of scrambles out of the pocket, he's usually going to the outside, whether it's to the right or to the left. And when you have a scat back, a scat back is not going to be the type of running back uh, that's going to pound it straight down the middle, straight into that defensive line until it tackles. So I think it took away some of his lanes because you're covering those lanes for Allen. You're basically in, in turn covering those lanes, you know, for Singletary. If, like I said, if they had more of a bruiser kind of, obviously not everyone gets to have a, a Derrick Henry, but if you had a similar type of running back like Derrick Henry, where, he has the ability to go to the outside as well as just kind of punch it inside in the trenches. I think that would have helped that team more. Um, it would open up a lot more for the wide receivers, opens up more running lanes for the quarterback, and uh, it still keeps the possibility of being able to pound it in if that defense opens up wide trying to contain the quarterback. So I, I think that they probably have to go a different way, but he definitely is, I think, in my opinion, a good um, third down back. I think that he's a good complementary back. I don't know if he'd be a full-time running back for me. Yeah. All right. So uh, that's probably enough on that game. Uh, it was pretty much uh, Kansas City dominating pretty much throughout. Um, all right. So let's get to our best and worst of the week. What do you got for best of the week this week? For best of the week, I'm going with obviously the man himself, not the greatest quarterback ever, not the greatest player ever, but uh, the greatest quarterback in the NFL right now. And that's Patrick Mahomes. Um, he was banged up last week. You know, he toughed it out and a lot of people were concerned about his neck injury slash head injury. I was more concerned about his toe foot injury. Um, I thought that it, if it hobbled him even a little bit, this was probably the bills game to win. Now he came out and he looked really healthy, looked really good. He didn't get to run the ball a lot. He scrambled out, I believe five times, I think he gained a total of five yards, so he didn't really run the ball a lot, but it seemed like he was planting his foot well, and there was a lot of strength when he was twerking his body to get some of those throws off. Uh, he has a very unorthodox style of throwing, and uh, his foot and planting really affects it, and I think he looked really good, came out, played tough, and got the big wins. Now he's headed to the Super Bowl, and uh, he's hoping to make it back-to-back, -back, so um, he's my player of the week. All right, my best of the week is actually – the uh, trifecta of the three, uh, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill. I just, uh, that was such a ridiculous combo. They played so well on Sunday. Uh, there was just nothing Buffalo could do. And uh, when that that team is humming like that, um, uh, I, I don't know if anybody can beat them. So uh, that was my best of the week. Kelsey, Hill, Mahomes. All right. So what do you got for worst of the week? I'll tell you what, I'm going to follow suit. It, you know, it's a, I really like your pick for best of the week. Uh, so I'm going to kind of double up on that. I'm going to combo it up for my worst of the week. I'm going to go with, uh, because I don't know what the actual play call was yet. I'm going to go with the defense, uh, defensive backs for the defense secondary for the Green Bay Packers. Uh, 
slash coaching staff. And that's simply because I don't understand if the player thought he had help or if they just made a bad call on defense. But at that point in the game, when it's you're trying to claw your way back in, you've got the ability to go into the locker room down by one score, and then you give up a huge play. And it wasn't the first time, especially, you know, I know that that was the one they scored on, but there was a few plays prior to that where Brady threw some deep passes and the, and the wide receivers just couldn't catch the ball, but they beat that secondary. Um, so I, I'm going with the, with the Green Bay secondary and slash coaching staff. All right. Uh, well, I only have one, and it is Kevin King. He was the one who got beat deep, and uh, we probably didn't mention it, but he was also one who got flagged for the pass interference. At the- oh, was he? Yes, at the end of the game. So uh, overall, it, it was not a great day for uh, Kevin King. Um, just bad play overall. I, I, I mean, I'm sure he's aware of it. Uh, he has eyes and is did make it to the professional football league. I'm sure he knows he probably shouldn't have let that guy behind him. But Kevin King, worst of the week. So that's our show for the week. That's going to be our only show for the week. Next week, we're going to return with two shows. We're going to bring in our man, Dynamite David, for a trifecta group. And we're going to do some prop bets, a whole lot of prop bets on the Super Bowl. That'll probably be on Tuesday or Wednesday. And then me and Achilles Reign will preview the Super Bowl game. And we'll have some, we'll try to find some bets to make other than just uh i guess the overall spread of the game but we'll be back uh friday to preview that game next week so two shows next week this is our only football time show this week be sure to follow all our podcasts on greenlightnetwork.org greenlight network on facebook and greenlight network on youtube be sure to follow our man achilles rain where can we follow you you can follow me on twitter at td achilles and I'm GLNChamp5 on Twitter and Instagram. That's our show, and we're out.